Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, Senior Reporter, FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing the various pension allowances with Tom Selby, Senior Analyst AJ Bell, and Rachel Hall, an Independent Financial Advisor at Sandringham Medical. So welcome to you both and thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. So last month, the um, government published data showing that um, back in 2018-19, there were just over 34,000 taxpayers who had reported that their pension contributions exceeded their annual allowance uh, via their self-assessment forms. And the total excess savings were around like 817 million. So like massive breaches. Um, We had Similar with lifetime allowance charges, um, there were 7,130 uh, reported by schemes. Um, so I just wanted to have a discussion today and wanted to get your opinion on, you know, is it a worry that the number of people breaching both these allowances just continues to climb? Tom, should we start with you? Yeah, sure. I think I think it's, it's an inevitable consequence of, of government policy isn't it? Um, we've seen over over the years that the lifetime allowance in particular has been has been cut back year after year after year and the annual allowance has also been been reduced certainly since 2000 and 2010 onwards and if you go through a process of reducing allowances then clearly you're going to it's going to result in more people breaching those allowances. I think that the tapered annual allowance has been a particular problem there. We saw um, a huge uh, controversy around that and in particular in relation to NHS scheme members, senior doctors and things like that who found themselves breaching the the old lower level of the taper um, was certainly a very significant um, problem and resulted in the level of the taper increasing to both the threshold and the adjusted income of the taper increasing from the adjusted income level increased from one hundred fifty thousand pounds to um, two hundred forty thousand pounds. So I think I think a lot of that that stuff will be in the in the system, and we'll we'll be seeing lots of people being um, affected by that. In terms of if it's a problem, I think it's 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 not ideal. Clearly, for those who are affected by it, you don't. Nobody ever wants to breach an annual allowance or a lifetime allowance. Usually, you don't. Anyways, one or two circumstances where it might be um, it might be in people's best interest. But e- equally, this is. It is only going to be affecting at the moment anyway. And when you look about 28 to 18, 19 people right at the top of the spectrum, as we go through and, and lifetime allowances obviously been cut a little bit more then we might see it affecting, affecting more people. Sure. And Rachel, what do you think? Because I know allowances are one of your favourite areas, having been an NHS <laughs> specialist. <laughs> yeah, for my sins. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like what Tom says. If, if you keep um, tax limits static, for a set period of time, there will be growth on pensions. So what it means is that people will will catch up to these limits a lot faster. And the dynamic of the tapered annual allowance really caused people to use up a lot of these carry forward allowances very fast. So the Chancellor moved, in my opinion, the Chancellor moved the limits, the tapering limits, you know, far too late in the day. So what we've seen now is a lot of people, whilst they've got the £40,000 annual allowances back because they're not at or above a taxable income of of £200,000, they're still exceeding annual allowances because 
you know, we've just not seen any inflation linking of annual allowance. Lifetime allowance is a little bit different, but actually, when you look at the history of the lifetime allowance, you know, since 2012, it's only been reducing. So it's captured more people. We've had a few years in between that where it's kind of leveled off a little bit. But really, we've only had three years of inflation linking. And in pension terms, that's not a very long period of time. You know, so I, I guess, is it a worry that people are, are starting to exceed the limits? Not necessarily, because even when you net off pension tax, you generally, generally get growth and an underlying uh, growth on the pension. But am I surprised? No, no, I'm not. And I'll be very interested to see what happens at the end of this parliament and whether it, it, it the, the freeze continues or whether um, they will actually continue to reduce the lifetime allowance. But one observation for me is if you've got a, a bunch of tax limits that have never hardly, you know, hardly ever moved, does that not just tell you that you've you've got a government who can't really control less spending properly? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I know that we've had austerity measures and we've had a pandemic in between that. Now, I do fully appreciate that. But I do think it's time that we start to give back to pension savers rather than just taking from them because people need income to live off in retirement. And are these, um, you know, are these allowances then stopping people, do you think, from saving towards a pension? You know? From a psychological perspective, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of messages out there that people should. And and I see financial advisors making the same mistakes. They a client's pension gets near to the limit and then people are are discouraged from continuing to save. But what they don't realise is that actually the the lifetime allowance really kind of works in a very similar way to, to maybe inheritance tax we could compare it to. So we've got this tax-free kind of limit, but it's not going to prevent somebody from from trying to grow their value of the estate from beyond a million to four million pounds just because there's a 40% tax liability, you know? So you still benefit, you still get more value back, you still become more wealthy, um, but it just means that the wealth above a certain threshold has got um, a tax charge. Now, the problem with the tapered annual allowance was that it kind of reversed this. So normally tax is fair and proportionate, but tapering became disproportionate. And I'm still surprised that that's still in operation. I, I, you know, I think that should have been scrapped altogether because I think it doesn't matter how much money people earn, people should still have the ability to save for their retirement. Um, but we're, we're, this, the tapering limits still really affect some of the people in the NHS. And I've said this a lot of times before, a tax on ambition is not wise. You know, we want people to take on extra responsibilities. But if we if we we can end up in a situation where let's just say we've got two consultants uh, in the NHS and they follow the same career progression, they accrue pension at the same rate. But let's just say one of them does a private practice or someone takes on a responsibility by virtue of that, by virtue of earning more money, they can end up with tapered annual allowance charges, which means that when they they get to the end of their career, One, the person who's taken on the additional responsibilities can sometimes end up in a situation where they've got less pension 
because they've had to carry scheme pays charges, which have then reduced their pension at retirement. Because unless you're paying annual allowance charges through self-assessment, which some people do and some people can't afford to do that, they end up eroding their pension with these scheme pays reductions. But one thing that I would say is that because of the way that that system operates, it puts a lot of people off. And, and we've seen this recently in, in, um, you know, in the financial press that there's a lot of um, people still opting out of the pension schemes, especially with the NHS. And that's because they don't have context. So they don't understand what they gain, what, what pension they gain by using scheme pays. And sometimes I think they think that they're going to end up just reducing their pension every year when actually they do still increase their pension, but just not by the rate that they would have normally, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge for financial advisors because we've got to come in and try and provide that context. But some of us just, well, some people just don't have the systems or the resource to be able to do that. And if the pension scheme is not going to provide those resources, then the, the industry is on pretty much a back foot. What do you think, Tom? Do you think, you know, we need to start educating people a bit more? Oh, I mean, I, I find I, I always find it quite um, quite painful when I sit down um, and uh, and think about the the ta- pension tax regime that we have in this country and the range of allowances ex- that exist and the complexity that exists as well. Because I think you, you started off saying, does it is it um, I guess is it a bad thing that people are breaching the the annual allowance and the lifetime allowance? And that's not necessarily the case because you know, you want people to be saving lots of money. But I think the the real damage is in this burgeoning complexity that we have in the pension tax system. And when, you know, whenever I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a, one of my, one of my poor friends after a couple of pints, all of a sudden gets me talking about pensions and I'll get into a bit of a, I'll, I'll have to go and explain to them how, I'll try to explain to them how it all works. And you say, well, you've got an annual allowance and that's 40,000 pounds, unless your relevant earnings are below that, in which case it's hundred percent of those relevant earnings. But then if you've accessed taxable income flexibly from your pension, then actually your annual allowance is 4,000 pounds. Oh, but if you earn a lot of money then your annual allowance might be somewhere between forty thousand and four thousand pounds but you don't actually know until the end of the year what your annual allowance will be because it depends on how much you earn and you might work overtime and have bonuses and things like that and then you've got on top of that a lifetime allowance but that lifetime allowance might be 1.8 million if you've got protection it might be 1.5 million it might be 1.25 million or it might go up with inflation it might not go up with with inflation and then you've got investment growth brought it's just an absolute nightmare and I think it's and for us as well, it, isn't it, Tom? I mean, you know, it's, it's, trying I mean, to it's, keep it's, up with it all. Yeah, I think that it's, it's obviously an area where advisors like Rachel and others offer real value to people because the system is so complicated. But I suspect most financial advisors would much, much rather not have to explain something so complicated to clients because actually you had something that was a lot simpler. And I think there could be a world that was a lot simpler than we have at the moment then you'll be able to focus on things where they can actually look to do better things with their pension and focus on the future in a positive way rather than just trying to navigate a system which has just become far, far too 
complicated. I mean, when you, I mean, it's one of those things. I think when you when you sit back and look at it and think, what if if you were starting from scratch? Obviously, you can't do that because that's just not the nature of the pension system. You know, we've built up a, a pension system over years that started off being based on DB and then was based on DC, and there's lots of change that been happened. But if you did have the ability to do that, to sit down and design a pension system and design a set of tax allowances. There is absolutely nobody who would design a pension system with three different types of annual allowance, one of which varies between two amounts and a lifetime allowance, allowance again, which is applied differently to different people over years. So that's my long winded way of saying I think it would be good to see if there was a, a more fundamental look at pension tax relief and pension allowances rather than, as Rachel said earlier, the kind of chopping and changing that we've had over the past decade or, or so, which seems to be focused entirely on raising money in the short term, which clearly is going to be an issue going going forward as we move out of COVID and, and, and seems to entirely not ignore the, the fact that the vast majority of people don't save enough money for a retirement. And, and that's going to be the big problem if, if we keep on doing negative things to retirement savings incentives um, in response to any kind of problem that the country has. And the government have sent mixed messages with this, mm. with auto-enrolment, because they want everybody in the pension scheme but yeah. then they're not very happy about the tax relief. So what do you want? Do you want everyone in the scheme and saving for retirement? Or do you not? Because obviously the higher earners, the ones that pay more tax, are now going to, well, a lot of them, because of how Tom's explained that, that's how people's, that's how people's brains work. So they come out of the scheme. And the reason why they do that is because they want control. Because they don't understand it. There's no resources, no facility there. Nobody's got any answers for them. So what they do is they try to regain control of the situation and they come out. That's a natural human res response. And, and, and it's the job of the financial advisor to try and encourage people to kind of get back into these, especially to find benefit pension schemes. But, you know, when someone's, uh, heard. I mean, the the tapered annual allowance has a lot of trauma associated with it, because we we heard reports of people selling houses, remortgaging houses, because they were literally terrified of how this tax would implicate their pension years. Um, I I once got a message from a hospital consultant who told me. Um, listening to some of the kind of interviews that I'd given had got him through the night because he was just in such a dark place about it. So there's a big psychology, uh, you know, there's a big play on psychology here. So I think that people will naturally try to regain control and they'll just come out. But what, what it will do in the longer term is it will, from a financial planning perspective, we end up with people who've, who've lost quite a lot of pension because they've not been in the scheme. And Maybe that's failings in the advice process, um, because there, there there are cases that I have at the moment where it's just been poor poor advice. Um, and then there are some people who didn't take advice at all, and they've just you know just come out. So our job as financial planners is to carry these people safely into retirement, but we need to do it in a controlled and measured way. So the default position is obviously not to come out of these schemes. But it's very, very difficult to try and reverse the psychology of that. But I think the messages are kind of starting to get through, especially with the NHS, because I get a lot of calls during the week saying, oh, well, I came out a couple of years ago. I'm not sure that that was a good idea. 
So they are, they are starting to come back. But what we're seeing here is definitely the fallout of tapered annual allowance, especially the lifetime allowance. I'm not that I'm not that concerned about it in the same way as annual allowances, but um, it's still an issue. It's still definitely an issue for the NHS, especially. And do you think you know that these um, allowances are going to reduce even more? Like, is it a measure for like the Treasury to basically claw back money? I don't know if you want to start, Tom. Uh, well, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a measure for the Treasury to control the to control the costs of um, pension tax relief first of all, which is a you know that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I don't think I don't think anyone is ever saying that there should be you know an, an un, people should be able to save an unlimited amount every year and throughout their lifetime in a in a pension without any cap on costs whatsoever. Because particularly with with automatic enrolment, that's seen lots more people saving in a pension, and, and the danger there from the exchequer's point of view would be that the the costs of incentivizing people to save in a pension would would spiral out of control so they're 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 there to control the cost i think it's i think it's fair to say that the decision to freeze the lifetime allowance was part of uh, part of a package of measures to um to raise money by the by the chancellor for the rest of this parliament so that's that's you know I, in the context i guess it's understandable but it's really unwelcome um, as rachel said it's we've had three years of freeze lifetime allowances which isn't much um, in the context of pensions, and it just adds to this environment where people constantly—it's a constantly moving feast. People constantly expect there the, the, to be changes to the lifetime allowance and the annual allowance, or the way the annual allowance works, because there always is change to the lifetime allowance and the annual allowance, and the way that it works. And and part, I think actually part of the damage of that sometimes isn't just directly in people saving, whether whether it's in a DB scheme, as Rachel was talking about there, or in a DC scheme. Part of it is that people attach this constant sense of change to just any type of pension and any type of saving. And I think it just undermines mm-hmm. people's confidence in the in the system overall, be it the state pension, be it private pensions, and be it anything that's alongside that as well. It makes it very, very difficult to to communicate the benefits and the reasons why people should be saving for retirement because whenever you're having to you're wanting to explain those benefits to people you have to go through all the caveats that exist when you're trying to save in a saving a pension for for the future so it's clearly in the last 10 10 years or so the treasury's treasury all of the interventions that the treasury have made have been about reducing the amount that they spend on pension tax on on incentivized people to save for retirement and have had nothing to do with getting more people to save for retirement. Now, auto enrolment's obviously been a good intervention to do that, but in terms of what the Treasury's done, um, I think it's fair to say that everything has been about reducing the amount that they they spend getting people to save for future years. Hmm. Sure. I don't know if you have anything to add, Rachel. No, I mean, I I agree with Tom. I I just think that there is um, generally a broken relationship and a distrust of the government and I think if there was continuity, so if, if there was a consistency um, across these tax reliefs and they were a lot easier to understand, you probably wouldn't see the fallout of this and it wouldn't implicate people in the same way it is now. But the problem is they've moved the goalposts and they've made things so complicated that you know pension simplification has failed because it is over complications. <laughs> Um, and because of that, it drives negative behaviours that will cause people, um, potentially some people might might experience financial hardship in retirement if they don't get the right advice and guidance. 
So what we need really is we need some consistency. Um, are we going to inflation link it or not, or just keep it at a particular level? But all of these rumours flying around about re successive reductions, more reductions to come in lifetime allowance, it's just not helpful. And there's going to be a huge reliance, especially on the NHS, because the waiting lists are all backed up. You know, because we've seen surgeries, um, people's treatments cancelled because the, the NHS has been dealing with COVID. Um, it's been dealing with the pandemic. So they're going to want to encourage all of these consultants to come back into work, to go back to private practice, to get these waiting lists down, which means that they're going to have to do overtime and they're going to have to earn more money. And what is the situation when this starts to tip people into the tapered annual allowances? They're gonna, it's gonna, this problem's going to come back again. So whilst we're trying to control expenditure, they need to understand how that's driving a particular behaviour. And it, you know, is that helpful or is it hurtful? Um, and we don't really see that kind of thought process coming from the Treasury, unfortunately, because it's too fixated on numbers. So, yeah, so I think there is a damaged relationship there. But consistency is key. Sure. Well, Tom, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week where we will discuss other goings on in the industry. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.